Habits are who we are, and we get to choose every day who that is. What's remarkable about these women is that their habits are changing the world. Hi, and welcome to Habits, the good, the bad, and the holy. I'm Molly, and I'm sitting down every week with adorers of the Blood of Christ Religious Sisters to hear their stories and learn how habits have become more than a symbol for their vocation. They've become the means to which they change lives. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Today, I'm sitting down and talking with Sister Bernadine Wessel. Sister Bernadine, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really excited you're here. I'm glad to be here. And glad to talk with everybody who will be listening. Yes, definitely. How did you find your way to becoming a sister? Well, my dad, I have two aunts who were at the convent here. Okay. My dad's younger sisters and admired them a lot. And the sisters taught us in grade, all the way through grade school. When I was in the fifth and sixth grade, I think, the sisters here first went to Brazil Mm, as missionaries. And the sisters down there would write very interesting letters home for the sisters here in Wichita. And my aunts would make copies and send them to my dad, and I read them, almost memorized them. So you always loved the idea of travel. Not travel, but the idea of being a missionary. You know, we had these little holy childhood magazines in elementary school. They had stories of missionaries in different places, and we were encouraged to save pennies. And if our classroom saved $5 worth of pennies, we would get to make name a pagan baby to be baptized. That was our goal. That was your big, your big dream. Hi, everyone. Molly here with a little interjection. For those of you who are wondering what Sister Bernadine is talking about, back in the 1960s, in Catholic schools, teachers and nuns encouraged students to raise money or bring in their pennies from allowance to donate to assist Catholic missions. And most of these missions were working with children in uh, other countries. While the phrasing may seem odd and this is no longer practiced in schools today, it was a way to raise money to help missionaries and missions back in the 1960s. All right. Now back to the interview. And it was it was something that I it would, I would read all of those magazines and picture myself doing all of this. And I always knew I was part of it and you that I was did. going to be a missionary someplace. And then when the sisters were missionaries in started the mission in Brazil, I was sure that's what I would do. So I had to become a sister. I had to enter the convent, be a sister so I could be a missionary. Right. It was just the, just the, it the followed logically. You have spent the majority of your time with the adorers not in the United States. You spent over 30 years in Korea. That's true. What did you do in Korea? I was there. I learned many things while I was in Korea. It was a learning time. And I also worked at ministry. It was as director of a daycare and later a kindergarten. In the daycare, we had three, four, and five-year-olds. In the okay. kindergarten, we had four and five-year-olds. I'm assuming you're fluent in Korean. There's no way you could survive more than five years if you didn't speak the right. language. Um, so Korean's a really different language than English. Yes, it is. Was it hard to learn? Well, I've studied uh, a little Spanish and mm-hmm. just some German. I find them, there are many, their grammar similarities. Mm-hmm. And vocabulary similarities, especially yeah. with Spanish. And many German uh, words are similarity. But Korean, there is nothing in Korea that right. sounds like English. Yeah. If you think you understand the word as an English word, it's, it's not. not. A boo-boo uh-huh. is a married couple. A boo-boo. Uh-huh. 
Can you teach everyone how to say welcome in Korean? Okay, so it's much longer than I anticipated, and I am not going to disrespect the language by trying to say that back. But for listeners, you can rewind that as many times as you need to get that right. So did you learn Korean kind of boots on the ground while you were there, or did you go to school to learn Korean before you went over there? I went to school to learn Korean before I went. My instructor was graduate student here at WSU. Mm-hmm. He was from Seoul, not, not here at WSU. I went to Kalamazoo to study. Right. He, he was from Seoul. And the accent, that was the, their idea is, that's the normal. If you're from Seoul and you speak with that kind of an accent. Mm-hmm. Then it's uh you you're a, you know it's a good adorable right it's kind of standard right it's yeah. a standard okay um but the where we went to Basset, way on the southern coast mm-hmm. they speak with a very different accent so you had to learn the diction and the change right. in the words an example is when we were first there we went to visit somebody and the lady said ajiso mm-hmm. I had no idea what she meant. I looked at Sister Clara, one of our Korean sisters, and she said, Anjuseo. Oh, so it's a huge difference in dialect. Yes, it's a very big difference. Right. Uh, so you had, I had to, I thought, well, I must have studied Greek. Well, I just learned another language. But uh, the neighbor lady would come over. She was about nine day, I suppose. And she would come over and talk to me. Mm. It for a couple hours every afternoon. My ears would get accustomed to hearing it. Right. And when she would leave, I'd ask Sister Claire, what was she talking about? And she'd say, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So it seems like <laughs> you learned Korean, but you really had to learn, learn Korean while you, when you right. got there. Okay. Right. So did you know through your schooling that, that Korea was on the path for you? What did you get your degree in? My degree is in elementary education, and mm-hmm. I taught elementary schools, New Mexico okay. and Kansas, in Wichita, several places in, in Kansas. So you taught elementary school for how many years? Seven years. Before you went to Korea? Yes. I did. So you really spent almost 40 years as a teacher. Right. Wow. That's an incredibly long time. Obviously, you found it fulfilling. Well, being a teacher Mm -hmm. helps in so many different areas. Right. When did you leave to go to Korea? In 77. 77. Um, So you were over there until 2018. Yes. I obviously can't do math particularly well today. Um, there was a lot going on in the world yes. during that time. Huge advancements in technology, in education, in access, in becoming a global world. What was it like being in Korea and um, communicating with the sisters back home and seeing the differences in uh, how things were changing across, really across the globe? Well... It made it much easier to use emails. Yes. Sister Cordelia, who was one of my aunts, mm-hmm. when she was 91 or two, learned to use the computer so we yeah. could email each other. If I live to be that long, I hope I'm that adventurous. And I pushed her. So. Yeah. I think you got to have people push you along into the hard stuff in life. Um, so you came back in 2018. Why did you come back? Because I knew it was time to come back. Yeah. I'm sure that was a really hard choice to come back after spending 30 years in another place. Yes. It, I toyed with the idea for a number of years. And then I thought, 
Well, I'm one of 11. There were, I have 10 brothers and sisters. Wow. And starting 2005, every year one of them died. Oh my goodness. And I thought, I don't want to be there for until there's nobody left. Right. That was a big part of my decision. And I think it was more difficult for them because I was so far away. Right. And where are you in the order? Are you? I'm number nine of 11. So you're almost the baby. No. (laughs) You're close. You're close to the end. One younger brother and one younger sister. Okay. So you did come home in 2018. Uh But what was it? What was it like in Korea? What things still make you smile? What things bring back the great memories of the time that you've spent there? The sisters there and the people. Mm -hmm. I heard a story that they all called you grandma. That's normal. Yeah. Why did they call you that? They uh, Older people, Mm -hmm. you don't call people by their name if they're older than you are, usually. Interesting. It's a sign of respect. Okay. Adults are called sometimes by their job. They're called teacher, Mm -hmm. financial advisor. Mr. Kim, the financial advisor, Mm -hmm. teacher Lee. They're put that you call them with their title, their right. job title, which I'm sure seems very and odd to us, but is for them it's is just really ingrained thing. in the culture. Yeah, and uh, and when somebody's you talk to an older woman, mm-hmm. grandma was is a respectful title. So everyone called you grandma. All the sisters, younger sisters, and the people called me grandma. Wow! The first time somebody called me grandma, I was 48 years old. <laughs> So that was a bit of a shock. Yes, it was. <laughs> what was the hardest part of moving halfway across the world to a completely different culture, a completely different set of people? The idea of going was adventure. Right. I mean, it was something that I felt called to do, but it was it's always interesting to go to a new place mm-hmm. and see new things and learn new things. I found it very, we went in October, the end of October. Yeah. And it was very, very interesting for about five months. Yeah. And then inside of me, in the summertime, they have a rainy season. Oh, okay. And the clouds come and it pours rain. No thunder, no lightning, and it rains for Just three rain. days in a row. Oh. And then the cloud moves away. And then a couple of days it comes back and does the same thing. And inside of me, it said stupid. <laughs> Everything was I've stupid. made a mistake. It was like the the rain was stupid. The sleeping on the floor was stupid. The language was stupid. The the food was stupid. Everything was stupid. That's all it was inside. Yeah. And I said to myself, now look here. Ever since you were in elementary school, you wanted to be a missionary. And you came over here. If you have that kind of an attitude, if everything is stupid, you're not going to be able to do anything worthwhile. Right. So where does that come from, this feeling? Mm-hmm. I Since I've talked with people from students from the university mm-hmm. and other people who've been in another country, and they talk about that same attitude. Of, yeah. And I discovered I was expecting myself to, to do things the Korean way. Mm. Korea is a very traditional. Korea is a very traditional society. Yeah. And if you don't do it according to to the tradition, it's wrong. It's not different. It's wrong. Okay. The two words aren't that different in sound, but the feeling behind them are very different. Right. Trilida. Okay. Yeah, they are very similar. They're very similar. And everything I did was wrong. How do you rig out a washcloth? I would. I would twist it. Yeah, but you do it this way. 
Oh, so uh, because everything, no one else can see everything. it, um, I was twisting horizontally and, and Sister Bernadine was twisting vertically. So everything you did was wrong. Everything was wrong according to the tradition. That can't be an easy thing to hear constantly. And I said to myself, I'm different. I'm not wrong. Mm -hmm. What I do is different. I don't have to do it the way the Koreans do it. Mm -hmm. The day I came home after 35 years, I was still, there's no way I could understand. I could understand more of the language. Right. But all of the feeling behind that language, I didn't understand. There's no way I could. Right. Because I didn't grow up with that. Yeah. That's such an interesting perspective to take on, um, you know, 35 years of your life of really finding peace very early with the fact that you were always going to be different than... It's okay to be different. Right. Wow. That's a, that takes a lot of, I'm sure, prayer and grace and, and frustration over time. Yes. Um, so you were there with the Korean sisters who um, are born and raised in Korea. Were there any other um, sisters with you that weren't raised in Korea? Uh, the second year, Sister Mary Shedeker came, and then another year, Sister Sylvia Gorgeous came. Mm-hmm. And then she she stayed about a year, and she went back, came back. So it, it was a year before you had a compatriot. That's right. And did, did that change? Did it feel less heavy when no. Sister Mary came? When Sister Mary came, she went to Seoul. It's, we didn't live oh, together. Oh, you didn't live together. It was like almost 20 years later, or 15, more than, 20, more than 15 <laughs> years later, we lived together for So at that years. point, you were pretty well adjusted. Right. By that time, I yeah. was like, okay with being different. Right. What was the culture or the... Um, custom that was strangest to you or hardest to adapt to? Because it is, Korean is a very different culture, almost opposite of ours. I don't know. I never thought of that. Because when you said sleeping on the floor, my ears perked up. I don't think I would enjoy that. I don't mind sleeping on the floor. Did you mind when you started? No. No? When I was in in Colorado, Mm -hmm. we worked with uh, after religion, teaching religion after mm-hmm. school in country parishes. Right. We traveled to seven different parishes. Mm. We usually didn't get home until 10, 30 or 11 at night. And I'm a day person. I can't function in the evening. Yeah. After lunch, I, so after lunch, I would lie on the floor and take a nap. I found it very easy to sleep. To sleep on the floor. On the floor. The thing I didn't like about sleeping on the floor was... They heat the building with hot water pipes under the floor. Oh, so it's really hot on the ground. They could get you. They had a thick mattress uh-huh. which just held the heat, and then another a quilt above, a thick quilt which held the heat. And I wake up just stretched with perspiration. Mm, yeah, I don't and think I, several I love times that. I thought, well, I I must be sick. <laughs> You were just sweating it out all the time. All the time. Uh, So when you came back uh, to the States after being gone, did you continue on a new ministry or did you take the time for more personal reflection, reacclimating, things like that? Well, I came back here. I didn't get involved in an outside ministry. Mm Mm-hmm. But the sister in charge of the house said, well, she's got, she's too young. She's too, we want to keep her in the house. So she gave me a couple jobs right. here in the house. Okay. One of them was decorating a chapel. Oh, okay. And, I, and then after a 
a couple of years, I moved to one of the houses over on the other side of the university, but I would come back every day here mm-hmm. and help I'd take care of chapel right. and watering plants around the house and helping at Caritas. And um, for our listeners, Caritas hasn't been mentioned on the podcast yet. Caritas is one of our assisted living facilities um, that is housed in our Wichita Center. So um, sisters in long-term care are still, they still live in the center, um, but on a long-term care floor with medical staff and um, all the accoutrements that come with, come with that. So you, uh, did you live with the Korean sisters when you were in Korea? Oh, Yes. So you've always lived in community your whole life. You've never lived alone. There was one year there that I lived at the the, the kindergarten. Mm-hmm. That that building, the sisters were working in the parish right mm-hmm. there. But I lived alone, and they come and visit and we talk. And yeah, stuff. we were always community. So you've always known community. Yes. Um, a common theme that we've talked about because for a lot of people, it's this foreign concept of how do you live with a bunch of women for your entire life. Um, what is it like living in community? Um, what joy does it bring you? What challenges does it bring you? There is so much support from one another in mm-hmm. community. And that that support calls me to to grow, mm-hmm. to be accepting of many right. different personalities. Yeah. It's a support in a way that is challenging. And I think that's really important. Yeah. I, it, I personally had my own ideas of what living community would look like. And it wasn't until I got to travel to each of the centers and see really the ecosystem that's created when you all live together um, to see the just the incredible amount of joy um, and familiarity and love that exists living in community. There is so much support and love. Yeah. It is. It could be overwhelming when I think about it. Yeah. And you've experienced that support in a new way recently. You've had some health struggles. And what has it been like to always know that you have, you know, 180 women across the nation behind you, um, supporting you and helping you? And each time I see that. It was, it's, I meet somebody, somebody yesterday, Sister Francine was the first time I'd seen her since last summer. Yeah. And to see her and, you know, she is so affirming mm-hmm. that I'm getting better. Yeah. It's always so, it's a surprise and a, that the, the sisters I know almost from a distance that yeah. live in Illinois that I see very seldom, they are so encouraging, so loving, so supportive. Yeah. It's just I mean, your face just lights up. You can tell how much joy you get from from these women. Uh, So there's one question we ask every person that comes on the podcast. What is your best habit? My best habit is smiling when I meet people. You are a very smiley person. You're when always happy. When I meet happy. people, I want to smile. Yeah. And what would you say your worst habit is? My worst habit, I would say, is when I get involved in doing something, I everything else and people around, I'm going there to do something. I meet somebody in the hallway and I just barely notice them, but you could barely take it. You're very focused. Uh, yes. 
Uh, well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. I really appreciate it. Your story is, um, is so unique. Uh, you know, going to another country for 35 years is remarkable. And I, I think uh, our listeners are going to learn a lot from you from it. So thank you so much for taking time out of your day. You're welcome. 35 years when you live there, you're living, you're just living day by day. You're just day. living your life. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. I hope people enjoyed the story. Thanks for joining us. For show notes and behind the scenes, check out our website, adores.org. Habits is brought to you by the Adores of the Blood of Christ, U.S. Region. Co-produced by Cheryl Wittenauer, Lori Benj, and Molly McKinstry. Edited by Molly McKinstry. Thanks. We'll see you all next week.